I want to invite uh, Jill and a couple of neighbors up front with me uh, this morning. And uh, Jill's going to share with her neighbors a story, and I've asked her to do this because I think it's an outstanding example of when you make yourself available to God to become a bridge of love, just what can happen. Jill has uh, known this family for several years now, and especially their son, David. And she's brought David to church. He's uh, turned 16 today. And maybe Jill will say a little more about this. David was with us on our uh, Good Friday service and took this picture. And I don't think his mom and dad have seen it. Oh, it doesn't show up very well. Ah, anyhow, you might, well, there's the picture David took. And uh, it's, it really looks great. You know, the screen's a little washed out there, but it lo- really looks great. Uh, he took that of the, the Last Supper play that we had. But Jill, why don't you share with us as you've reached out to David and uh, this family? Good morning. Um, I'm, I mostly just want um, Artemisa to share her story because I think it's wonderful to hear from her and, um, and her husband, Ricardo. Um, Artemisa is going to mostly speak, and I'm going to help translate. But um, I think the Spirit of God has just done an amazing work, and it's been a privilege to be a, a, in her family and part of her life all these years that I've known them. So um, I just want to introduce you to them. Uh, to all of you, Artemisa, Ricardo. So she'll begin, and I'll just continue to translate. Thank you. Uh, hola, mi nombre es Artemisa Carrillo, y mi esposo Ricardo. Hi, my name is Artemisa Carrillo, and this is my husband, Ricardo. Estoy aquí para darles las gracias, porque sé que Jill les ha pedido que oren por mi hijo David. I'm here to give you thanks because I know that Jill has um, asked you to pray for my son, David Carillo. Él es un adolescente que está pasando por momentos difíciles, ya que aunque es un joven inteligente y noble, siempre dispuesto a ayudar a los demás. He is a son who is, maybe, tal vez un poquito más corto. He's a noble, intelligent son who is always ready and willing to help others. Él ha tomado decisiones equivocadas envolviéndose en una ganga. He's made some wrong decisions and has got himself involved in a gang. Yo como su madre estoy muy preocupada por él, pues él se ha escapado de la casa y dejó de ir a la escuela. Me, as his mother, I'm very worried about him. He has escaped from the house and stopped going to school. Nosotros desesperados, sin saber a quién acudir, ni qué hacer para ayudarlo, hablamos con Jill. We, we really were at a loss, not knowing who to turn to, so we called Jill. Ya que ella la conocimos desde hace, desde que David tenía seis años. We had known Jill since David was six years old. Cuando ella tenía un programa para ayudar a niños con sus tareas y, ca- y clases bíblicas. When Jill had a program to help children with their homework and with Bible study. Ella nos empezó a buscar la manera de cómo ayudarnos hablando con sus maestros de su escuela y buscando nuevos programas. Jill reached out to help us talking to all of his teachers at Muir High School and looking for different programs that might help. Programas que pudieran trabajar con David y también tratando de encontrar un programa que nos orientara a nosotros como padres. Programs that would help David as well as helping us as parents to look at skills in our lives. 
padres preocupados con problemas. Parents that were worried about the problems. Otras de las personas que han ayudado a David es Ted. Another person here that helped was Ted, our worship leader. Pues él ha donado su tiempo viniendo a casa para orientar a David en sus tareas. He also gave his time to come to our home and help David with his math. Y consiguiendo, tengo fe en Dios que con sus oraciones y consiguiendo una buena consejería para él. I have faith in God that with these, with his help and and uh, with our trust in him. Pronto veremos buenos frutos. Soon we will see good fruit. Porque sé que Dios le tiene reservado algo especial. Because we know that God has something very special reserved for David. Ya que David es especial. David is very special. Lo que quiero decir es que estoy sorprendida porque what, he encontrado. What I want to say is that I'm surprised because I have found. Mucho apoyo de estas personas y a, me han hecho sentir. A lot of support from the people in, that I've mentioned. Me han hecho sentir que no estoy sola. It's made me feel like I'm not alone. Que Dios nos ama, no importa los métodos ni las personas. That God loves us. It doesn't matter the methods or the, the religion or persons that help. Pues Él elige He's, a estas personas a pesar de que somos de diferente religión God has chosen these people even though we're from different religions diferente cultura different cultures y hablamos diferentes idiomas and different languages <laughs> it's okay y hablamos diferentes idiomas And we speak different Even though we speak different languages, God, God's love crosses all languages. Gracias, Jill. Thank you, Jill. Gracias, Ted. Thank you, Ted. Y Dios los bendiga a todos. And may God bless you all. Amen. I'm sorry. Amen. Let's wait. When uh, Artemisis and I were talking yesterday in Ricardo, uh, I shared with them that Joyce and I, having raised three sons, know what it's like to have a, a prodigal son, a son who wanders far from home. And uh, we also know the feelings of feeling like, what have we, have we done something wrong? Have we been bad parents or made a mistake? And generally speaking, that's not the case. And uh, I shared that with her. But I would like, uh, I'm going to pray in just a minute, not only for uh, Ricardo and Artemisa and David, but... For all of our, our children and sons, because we all have children who uh, we care about and love, and oftentimes they wander off the path. And I'd like to ask a particular question of you. If you're a parent, and you have a child or daughter that has really wandered away from God or is, is in great need right now, I'd like for you to just stand as I pray. So would you stand if you are a parent who has a child who's really in need? We'll just wait a minute. I know there, there are several of us. Great. Thank you. Now, if we could all just stand together as I pray uh, for our children and uh, for ourselves as parents. Shall we pray together? Lord God Almighty, 
we lift up to you uh, our requests, our cries for help today. Father, you've given us children, and they are a gift from you, and we've received them as gifts, and we love them so much. We know, God, as we pray to you, that you are the Heavenly Father. You know what it's like to have children. You know what it's like to have rebellious children. You know what it's like to have children who are far from home. And, Father, today we thank you for the courage of Ricardo and Artemisa. We thank you for Jill, who has been a good neighbor to them and been a bridge of love. And we, we thank you for David and the STARS program at Lake Avenue and his opportunity to go to camp today. And bless him richly. Bless that camp experience. We pray for your protection to him, not only at camp, but as he comes home. And we pray for your guidance to them as they seek a school for him this fall. Lord, we pray for all of our children, our sons and our daughters. And we trust them to you. And we pray for your guidance to us to, be, to respond to them as best we can in ways that are healthy. Thank you so much for our children, and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you, Ricardo. Watch your step there. Thank you, Jill and uh, Artemisia and Ricardo, for uh, sharing with us. One of the reasons that I think it's important to share a story such as this is not simply to appreciate Jill and her willingness to reach out. That's important. But the real importance for me in sharing the story is that if you will make yourself available to God, if you will uh, be willing to become a bridge, as we're talking about, you will be surprised how God will honor that and use you in ways that you can't understand right now. And so I think it's important for you to realize that as you're willing to become a bridge of love, God will use you. Now this morning I want to come back to the book of Colossians, and if you'd like to follow along in the Bible, we're on page 200 in this Bible in front of you. Colossians chapters 1 and 2, the uh, end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. And what I want to do simply for a moment as we look at Colossians is to lift up Paul, because certainly Paul was a bridge person. In Acts chapter 9, it was then, he was then known as Saul. He was a persecutor of the church. He hated Christians. And he saw it as his God-given mission to attack the church. And you may remember the story that he's on the journey to Damascus. He's struck down, and God speaks to him. And there, a few days later, through Ananias, Saul realizes God has chosen him to be a bridge from the Jews to bring the gospel to the non-Jews or Gentiles. He's a bridge. Now, in the letter to Colossians, he's writing to folks that he doesn't really know very well. He's not been there. And so as he writes, even the letter to the Colossians is, in a sense, an act of becoming a bridge as he writes. He's seeking to benefit them as God has benefited him. So this morning I want to lift up just a couple of characteristics of bridge people that are seen in Paul and will be seen in you as well if you are a bridge person. So that's where we're going to go this morning. You've got a little sheet in your bulletin if you care to follow along. Uh, We've already been looking at that. And the first characteristic is this. Bridge people desire others to know God. To know God. If you remember, when we went through the book of Philippians, there in chapter 3, there's that passionate statement by Paul that his desire is to know Christ. And you can almost feel him, uh, the energy and the uh, importance to Paul when he says, I want to know Christ. Well, if you know Christ and Christ means something to you, you also want others to know Christ as well. Listen as I read from the message, Colossians chapter 1, 27. 
It's kind of the, the summary of, of what we're talking about. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know the rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery, in a nutshell, is just this. Christ is in you. Therefore, you can look forward to sharing God's glory. It's that simple. That's the substance of our message. Christ in you, the mystery. Paul, as he served God, had this passion that others know God. And as I challenge you this morning to think with me about our theme for 2007, the the characteristic that we see in Paul is that his driving force is that others know God. Now, three years ago, I, I can scarcely think it was three years ago, but just about three years ago, in the summer of 2004, my first summer here at our church, I asked you a question. And the question was like this. If First Baptist Church Pasadena closed her doors, would anyone know or care? And I've gotten a lot of feedback on that question, which is good. Now, let me clarify. You would know if we closed the doors, and you would care, I hope. So, But we're not talking about you, okay? The question is, in the community, Pasadena, San Gabriel Valley, if we closed our doors, would anybody know, would anybody care? Would anybody miss us? Now, that's a great question because if you grew up as a Baptist or in an evangelical church, you probably know the Great Commission, don't you? I mean, what's one of the beginning words? We, we when Jesus, as recorded in Matthew, left the church and or left, left the world and went back to heaven, he spoke to his key leaders, and what did he tell them to do? Go. Yeah. Go. If you can only remember one word, that's the word. Go. Now, do you think that has ever been rescinded? Should churches today stop going? Is that not part of the deal anymore? And so that's the reason for the question. We should always carry with us a holy dissatisfaction in the church until everybody knows Christ. There should always be this sense that we can do more, we can do better, we can reach out in effective ways. And the reality should be that if we're a true body of Christ and we closed our doors, people would say, oh my goodness, what happened? We need that church. And they should miss us. So that's why I asked the question. And as you look at the characteristic of good bridge people, there is this desire in them that others know God. That others know God. Now, as you seek to become a bridge person and reach out to those who are far from God, uh, your desire, your passion is they know Christ, that they come into a living relationship with Christ. Do you think that we should only be bridges of love to those who do not know Christ? What do you think? No. In fact, I hope that in this room we all know Christ. Now, you may be a seeker. You may be exploring Christianity. That's great. We're glad you're here. So perhaps we don't all know Christ. But should you be a bridge of love to me, should I be a bridge of love to you? What do you think? Is that fair? Sure it is. Of course it is. And as Paul writes this very letter, he's not writing to non-believers. He's writing, he's bridging over to those in Colossae. He's trying to help them. So let's look at some characteristics of people, 
who are bridge people, and they're working, as we might say, within the family. What are some characteristics there? And this is certainly not exclusive. You could add a whole lot more, but uh, let's put together some characteristics for, for us. Bridge people desire for Christ's followers to be, and I'm going to give you three things. You can write them down, and we'll come back to them. Bridge people desire for Christ's followers to be encouraged, united in love, and thinking. Thinkers. You remember the old Rodin, uh, you know, the guy thinking? I don't remember his uh, pose now, but you remember the statue of the thinker? Yeah. Bridge people desire also that we be thinkers. Now, let's go back over this for a moment. Bridge people desire for Christ followers to be encouraged, united in love, and thinking right. Now, let me read. In fact, why don't we read this together? Just some selected verses out of this Colossian passage. I think verses 2 and 4 of chapter 2. Shall we read this? I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love. I am saying this so that no one may deceive you with plausible arguments. Now, this passage we're looking at this morning, uh, I've been studying it all week. We could work up a sweat studying this one. I mean, it's got long sentences and there's a lot of material there. But Paul is saying as he writes to them, I want to encourage you. And when you think about becoming a bridge of love to someone, one goal might simply be encouragement. That's sufficient. Every experience as a bridge person is not going to be something dramatic, okay? Now, this past week, Joyce started her new job at uh, Dilbeck Realty. I never realized realtors don't actually get paid. But that's just a personal thing with me. Uh, but anyhow, she started her job there at the realty company, and uh, she was away from the office and got a call, call from the office, and the lady said, oh, someone has delivered you flowers. Now, um, Joyce thought, well, maybe Steve delivered flowers. I thought about sending flowers, <laughs> but they weren't from me. And I said to her, well, uh, I thought about it, but I, they're not my flowers. Maybe they're from one of the boys. And uh, that was a good idea. It could have happened, but it wasn't. Someone in the church here, who knew she was starting a new job, encouraged her by sending flowers and a wonderful note to Joyce at work. That's simply becoming a bridge of love by encouraging. There are lots of ways we can do this, right? So you you can do this. You can become a bridge of love and encourage someone within your world. Now, the second point or characteristic we mentioned here was united in love. And I would love to spend more time on this one, but just a couple simple questions. As you think about becoming a bridge of love, where do you think that ought to start? Where's a good place to begin? Somebody say it louder. At home, with yourself at home. That that means if you're married, you might become a bridge of love to your spouse, your wife or husband. If you have children, you might become a bridge of love to your children. If you live with neighbors, you might... Oh, don't go down that road. Become a bridge of love to the neighbor with a barking dog. Um, Now, here's how this works. Paul says in the church here, he wants them to be united in love. And you remember the themes of Jesus. When he prayed his great prayer in John 17, what was Jesus' prayer? Before he left, what were among his last words? He said, I want you to what one another? Love one another. Jesus prayed that we be united in love and that the world will know us and God by our love for each other. So this is huge. Now, here's how this can be very practical. The next time you really get ticked at your spouse, 
should that ever happen again. The next time you're really ticked at one of your children or your neighbor or somebody in your world, just stop and say, wait a minute, now the preacher said I need to ask two questions. I'm about to say something or do something. Is this going to bring unity? Just ask the question and answer it. Is this going to bring unity? And then what would the next question be? Is this loving? Is this the most loving thing to do? How would that impact your actions within just your family? Not a bad question, is it? And so that as you are encouraged today to become a bridge of love, start at home. Think before you speak. Is this an encouraging thing I'm doing? Is this a thing that brings unity that I'm doing? Is this a loving question, comment, act? That's a good place to begin. And then thirdly, another characteristic, and we're going to get into this more in the book. It's partly why I've chosen the summer series title, Believe Right, Do Right. One of the major reasons why Paul writes is he wants them to what? Think correctly. You can be a Christian and be way lost in the way you believe and what you think. You know that, don't you? And as Paul writes, he says, there is one true faith. I want to teach you about who Jesus really is. Don't get lost in all this stuff going on around you. People trying to draw you away from the true heart of Christ and the meaning of what it means to be a Christ follower. He wants them to think correctly because you can get deceived. There are cults. There are wrong ways of thinking. And so in one sense, as we become bridges of love, a part of that is to be helping one another think right. Now, some of you just came from Sunday school where you were teaching. Some are teaching right now our children. If you're a teacher, if you lead a small group, a Bible study of any kind, this one is especially for you because what you should be doing is uh, working as hard as you possibly can to understand Scripture as clearly as you can and communicate it as effectively as you can. That's your job as a teacher to help people think right. It's not just to explain the Scripture and put them to sleep. It's to actually help them think correctly so they can live the best life for Christ. And so this is a very significant thing as you become a bridge of love. And if you have the opportunity to teach someone Scripture, to teach them how to follow Christ, help them to live correctly and not be deceived. So, Paul, uh, there are four characteristics we've looked up, uh, looked at about becoming a bridge of love here. Now, I must share one more thing, and this is really the way of a warning, and I would like to skip it. However, as is so often in Scripture, there are these things that come up. And Paul talks about struggle, hard work, labor. And if you're going to be a bridge of love, you... I warn you, have to be willing to struggle. You have to be willing to struggle. I said I wouldn't talk about the race anymore, but it just popped in my head after watching uh, this climb up the mountain today. You can't go riding the Tour de France and not struggle, right? I mean, it's just not going to happen. And there are lots of things in life. You just can't do them if you don't want to sweat and spend the energy. Uh, Let's look at this scripture where Paul talks about, as he wraps up chapter 1 and begins chapter 2, he uses this word struggle. He says, For this I toil and struggle with all the energy that he, that's God or Christ, powerfully inspires within me. For I want you to know how much I am struggling for you. Now, my friend, I say this because if you're going to become a bridge of love, you may have a wonderful story to tell someday, and there may be a grand celebration. You may feel warm and fuzzy, but it's not all about that, is it? 
If you really want to help someone, sometimes it is is painful. It's a struggle. Mom, do you love your kids? Is there a mother here that doesn't love her kids? But giving birth to them, what do we call it? Labor, struggle. They didn't come into this world easily, did they? There's some pain involved in that. And as we think about becoming the bridge of love, it's important to recognize that uh, it can be painful. Back in chapter 1, verse 24, Paul writes a, a tough verse. Let me read it to you, and we'll talk just a minute about this. Paul says to the church, I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake. Now, where was Paul when he wrote this? In prison. So, in one sense, that could be part of his suffering. I'm now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Now, that's a tough sentence. But think with me about this. When uh, Paul was persecuting the church before he knew Jesus, he stood beside the stoning to death of Stephen. So Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was killed in the presence of Saul. He consented to that. Then he took off to Damascus, and Paul himself said, I have many thrown in prison. He persecuted the church. When he was doing that, you remember after he became a Christian, Jesus said, Saul, you're hurting me. Now, where was Jesus, literally? He was in heaven. So Saul didn't physically hurt Jesus here on earth. What Jesus meant was, Saul, as you hurt the body of Christ, as you hurt Christians, you hurt me because I'm the head of the body. Now, let's flip that around. As you begin to serve Christ, and if you suffer in that service, you struggle, you toil, you sweat. I doubt that you're going to be persecuted, but it could happen. But as you struggle in your service for Christ, as the body struggles, does, do you identify with Christ in that? Christ is the head. If the body hurts, the head hurts. There's a connection. And in a sense... Paul says, I complete the sufferings of Christ. That's a tough phrase. But in a sense, as you and I struggle in the labor for Christ, we are identifying with the very suffering of Christ in his struggle for salvation for us on the cross. And so I I just have to to lift that up this morning, that uh, if you really are going to become a bridge of love, be forewarned. There's a price. It could be painful. It's a struggle. Now, last March, we talked. I drew a circle on this board here. And uh, I called this what? Your comfort zone? You remember that? How many of you have a comfort zone? I I hope you do. We're going to pray for you hard if you don't. Uh, You know, you should have some friends and family. You should have a comfort zone. This is where we feel comfortable. It's where we live. It's our place. Now, we were challenged to just walk across the room. You remember those comments? And we said, you know, if we're really going to be a bridge of love, what do we have to do? Get out of our comfort zone and go into the zone of the unknown. The unknown zone. I know you can't read that, but that's because of the way I write. And this morning as we wrap this up, I want to challenge you. We all love to be in our comfort zone. That's great. But if you're going to become a bridge of love, God's going to make you uncomfortable. And I would suggest you're not going to be much of a bridge if you won't leave the zone of the known for the unknown. To get out of that zone. So this morning, as I want to uh, wrap this, as I wrap this up, I'd like for you to find that outline um, that you have right here. And on that outline, I've got a, a, a statement. 
And I'm going to do a couple things as we wrap this up today. I'd like for you to look that on the back of that page. It says this. I will step out of my circle of comfort to become a bridge of love to, and there's just a blank there. And I'd like for you, as an act of prayer, as a request to God, to be thinking, maybe you already know and don't even need to pray, but to say to God, Lord, whose name should I put in there? God, who would you like me to bridge over to? Who's far from you? And I want to pray for them. I want to be a bridge if you would choose to use me to bridge. Now, you may put down one name. You may put down, you may fill the page of names. But at least one. Would you be willing to think and ask that question? God, to whom should I be a bridge of love? And I'd like you just to fill in at least one name. Now, I think it's important for you to practice what I preach. So, if you're going to get out of your comfort zone, we're going to start that right now, being just a little bit uncomfortable. And if you're able, if you're not able to get up, that's okay, but if you're able to stand up, in fact, let's get the board uncomfortable. If you're on our board, stand up, okay? And if you're a staff member here, would you stand up, okay? Now, I'd like for you folks to get out in the aisle somewhere. Go pick a spot, okay? They're a little uncomfortable doing this, but uh, now you know what I'm going to have you do next. I'd like for the rest of us to stand, but before you stand... I want you to gather in a circle of two, three, or four people. No more than four. If you have four, split it into two. And uh, take this little sheet with you. When you're gathered in your group, I don't care where you go here in the room, just gather in a group right now as we wrap up the service. Would you? Then I'll give you your next instructions. Reach out and gather folks in, okay? Reach out to somebody. Thank you. If you're gathered into a little group... Now, in your group, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you simply to share at least one name of a person that you want to bridge to. That means you're going to pray for them. You're going to see how you can reach out to them. So I've got a name written down here that says Patrick. I want to be a bridge of love to Patrick. Now, dear group, share your names, would you? Who you're going to be bridged to. It means you might have to look at each other, folks. Those names? Great. Now, here's how we're going to wrap it up. There's a prayer that's going to come up on the screen, and I'd like for us to pray that prayer together. So if you could just stay where you are and turn and face the screen, we're going to read this prayer that's right behind me as our uh, conclusion today, that God help us become a bridge of love. Shall we pray together? Lord, we have stepped out of our comfort zone today and taken a walk to say we want to become a bridge of love to someone. We want to share the love you have given us with others. Jesus, we thank you for stepping out of heaven, walking all the way to the earth for us. Thank you for walking to the cross and for walking out of the tomb. God, in this holy moment, we ask for your help. Would you help us to become a bridge of love to those you have put on our hearts? May they come to know you and be encouraged in your Jesus. Today we commit to become a bridge of love. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Christ said, go. Go into the world and preach the gospel. And as you go, know that Christ goes with you. Go in the name of Christ. It's been great to worship today. We've got refreshments. And greet one another as we leave today, shall we?